On Star Trek, one glowing red cybernetic eye connects the Borg to the hive mind of their collective species, the promise of inevitable assimilation. Over on Doctor Who, the sinister chrome cybermen similarly wield their capacity for universal domination by absorbing individuals into a mass cooperative, smoothing away individual propensities and desires into one uniform will. Madeline Lengel writes in A Wrinkle in Time of a spreading blackness taking out the light of the universe. The steadily beating heart of this darkness is a single consciousness who claims that the essential cause of human unhappiness is our insistence on living our own separate individual lives rather than being subsumed into it. Our works of science fiction are filled with harrowing cautionary tales about societies in which the needs of the individual are completely subjugated to the majority. The central premise is that to achieve a successful hive mind, we need to sacrifice individual differences and all think the same, act the same, in lockstep with one another. This tension between our individual and communal natures is ever-present in our collective consciousness. I believe this deep-rooted fear of the collective aspects of human nature stems from the lack of autonomy it suggests, the degree to which accepting our ultra-social natures means that we surrender the steering wheel of our lives to unconscious influences from without. But the assumption that we are usually in conscious control of our own attitudes and feelings and decisions is increasingly suspect, as data from psychology and neuroscience pile up, suggesting that our supposedly logical, fully conscious individual selves are not always in the driver's seat of behavior. Neuroscientist David Eagleman sums up much of this recent research in his book, Incognito, The Secret Lives of the Brain. A lot of the evidence Eagleman brings to bear has to do with basics of movement and perception, but the really titillating parts of his book tackle more complex behaviors and experiences. For instance, in a section called Will the True Mel Gibson Please Stand Up?, he references the DUI arrest of the popular 1980s actor, who was caught uttering a series of anti-Semitic slurs on tape. Gibson and many of his friends claimed that these thoughts and feelings were entirely alien to the sober, friendly Gibson and were merely unfortunate drunken ramblings to be ignored. Others, pointing to the old saying in vino veritas, in wine, truth, scoffed at the excuse and argued that illicit substances release our usual inhibitions and reveal what's underneath, our true feelings. But Eagleman argues that the brain operates more like a democracy of rivals, with multiple subsystems and tendencies, each grappling for control at any given time. Alcohol may dampen one set of selves, the controlled and cautious ones, and allow other prejudices and base desires and selfish impulses to wrest control of behavior. But neither set of tendencies is more or less you. Each represents different sets of neural circuits. And even when the controlled, intentional sides of our psyche are at the steering wheel, these other sides of ourselves are still influencing us. Eagleman marshals quite a lot of evidence to this effect, that well-meaning, socially conscious people still hold negative, implicit associations about people who belong to other races and genders. 
or that our ratings of a person's level of physical attractiveness is influenced by the size of their pupils at the time of rating, which reflects the degree to which they are interested or aroused, or that people whose job it is to peek at the naughty bits of baby chicks to see if they are male or female, yes, this is a real job, can't describe how they know, but learn to do their job by standing next to a trained chicken sexer who routinely tells them whether their guesses are accurate or inaccurate. Our conscious minds may also be too slow to be responsible for most decisions and movements, leading some neuroscientists to speculate that the reason we have consciousness at all is not to make moment-to-moment decisions, but to process social and emotional information, to weigh priorities and consider who is friend and who is foe. Eagleman likens the dethronement of the conscious mind to Galileo's discovery that the Earth was not the center of the universe. To know oneself may require a change of definition to know. Knowing yourself now requires the understanding that the conscious you occupies only a small room in the mansion of the brain, and that it has little control over the reality constructed for you. The reality constructed for you by unconscious aspects of perception and predictions based on past experiences, that is, and, as we'll soon see, also the consensus story of reality handed to you by the hive mind.